welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. We are in Columbus, Mississippi at the Keith Gaskin headquarters. And I have Keith Gaskin here with me today. And Ryan Munson asked me if I would take on this episode. At first, I said no. And then I met Keith, and um, he he just grabbed me. I wanted to know a whole lot more about Keith. And if you are in the Columbus, Mississippi area, I'd consider voting for him. And uh, we're going to talk about that. So, uh, Keith, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good, man. Thank you for doing this. I'm glad that uh, that Ryan asked you to, and I'm glad that somehow I <laughs> encouraged you enough to do it. When yeah, we met. yeah. I just, appreciate it. You know, just uh, running sound that day at his shop and just, you know, hearing what you had to say and just hearing a little bit about your background, I believe it's something that Columbus, Mississippi really needs right well, now. I appreciate it because you're normally doing really cool <laughs> podcasts with really cool musicians. And so I'm sure <laughs> when you heard politician, it was like, ah, I don't think well, so. Well, that's the thing about it, right? It's like you're more of a philanthropist. It's not really, you're not really a politician type. Well, I don't think so. I mean, I, I never really saw myself. Uh, running for office. I will tell you I'm a a political nerd in a way in that uh, I enjoy following politics almost like sports. I've been doing that since I was a kid. So, but I never saw myself actually running for office. Yeah. You know, I was, I've never been so engaged in politics personally until uh, 2016. Mm. That was kind of like a wake up call for me. And now it's like, uh, I want to see what the federal government's doing. What are these bills? You know, mm-hmm. what, what are the people saying? What, what's going on, you know? Right. And, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot of say on the federal level, but, like, at this local level, is you can really have an impact. Absolutely. I, you know, when you were saying that, I, I started thinking this is going to date me a little bit, but um, I remember Schoolhouse Rock growing up. When, when we they, used to watch that. Yeah, I did, too. That's how I learned how a bill becomes yeah. a law. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I'm just a bill, right? You're just a bill. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, you know, politics is because of the, uh, you know, especially in today's society, it it gets so vicious, you know, Mm -hmm. um, uh, people are so divided into their camps and, um, many people just because of their busy lives don't really take the time to follow the policy and the issues that are going on. It's just easier to name call or that's right you know think you you're you have a certain perspective <clears throat> and a lot of the policies that that happen are difficult policies to, to to determine what's best for the community as a whole especially at the federal level but as you mentioned um you know at the municipality level uh if you're a mayor or city council or board of supervisors in the county the decisions that you help make for the community really has a, an impact in, That's right. in the quality of life of the citizens. And um, several people came to me and asked me to consider to run. And my first response was, hell no. <laughs> Here's some <laughs> names of some people that I think would be a good mayor. <clears throat> and then the more I began to think about it, and um, my background is, uh, as you mentioned, I've worked in uh, the philanthropy world for many over 20 years now as a uh, fundraiser, primarily in higher education. But uh, I have a master's degree in, in public policy administration, which is about running local governments. And I have a PhD in uh, higher ed with a focus on community colleges, which a lot of that work was uh, the impact that community colleges can have on the lives of mm-hmm. local citizens. And so I started thinking about it. And my background really and the experience I've had working together with the public and private sector to try to make good things happen, 
I thought, you know, I could bring that to City Hall possibly and, and have an impact in Columbus because I, I love this city. And I think that, uh, you know, the sky's the limit for us here. That's right. I mean, just for starters, why Columbus? Why, why, are you, uh, why do you live here? Well, I've been here um, for over 30 years now. This is my wife's hometown. I'm originally from Laurel, Mississippi. And my undergraduate degree is in journalism from Southern Miss. And my first job out of college was at the Commercial Dispatch. I thought I was going to be there about a year. I thought I was going to be a traveling photojournalist was my dream. And then Gaines uh, was living in Charlotte, North Carolina at mm-hmm. the time. And she would, she's a teacher, and so she would come home in the summers to teach swimming lessons. And we met the summer that I moved up here in October. And that summer we met when she was home. And we were just hanging out as friends. And then it kind of got a little more serious. And so when she went back to Charlotte, we dated long distance and mm-hmm. decided to get married. And I was all ready to, to go to Charlotte. But she really wanted to come back home to Columbus. And... I had met a lot of uh, people like Gaines who, right out of college, had moved away for different experiences, but there was something about Columbus that pulled them back. I used to tell people that Columbus, unlike other cities in Mississippi because of the brain drain and things you hear about, you know, people leaving and not coming back, Columbus seemed to have deep roots that it pulled its, you know, its folks back, and it's not doing that as much now as it used to, and that was another thing that I thought, you know, what can we do to potentially change that because, you know, we're, we're, we've been dropping in population for several years now. Um, and we need to reverse that. Um, and so that's one of another reason that I ran, because I think that, uh, there's some creative things we can do to, to help do that. Yeah. I was having a conversation yesterday with a friend, he's out at Caledonia, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, we were just talking about like the downtown scene mm-hmm. and, you know, we think about these, cities that we visited and you just park downtown and you just you just go right there's so much to do mm-hmm. and here right now um you know you, you may go to monson brothers you may go to zachary's you, mm-hmm. you know we don't have the princess anymore mm-hmm. it's operating like as a church mm-hmm. and i'm just wondering i was like how can we just make downtown vibrant again and just make it a place a hub to where you, you want to be downtown right you know right well you know um Columbus is actually ahead of a lot of um, cities our size in Mississippi, believe it or not, because, um, you know, um, several years ago when the Main Street project started in Mississippi, Columbus was kind of ahead of the game. Uh, And we have a lot of people who actually live downtown. That's right. So um, when I first moved to Columbus in 1987, you didn't see the activity that you do. I lived in, actually lived in one of the first loft apartments in downtown Columbus. Uh, that's kind of when they were really, there was probably four maybe yeah. when I lived in mine. And um, I loved being it because at the time, you know, the princess, you could walk over, they were showing old movies there or having plays there and you could walk to the restaurants downtown. And we have some good ones now, but we could, we, I would like to see us have more, a more oh, yeah. variety. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, it's not that Columbus is a horrible place right now, but I just don't think we've met our potential. Um, and one of the things I want to do is try to focus on bringing more artists and musicians like you uh, to Columbus. There's some towns our size that have come up with some creative ideas to help, um, you know, uh, artists find a good place to live when they first get started. Yeah. And that kind of whole thing just brings a new vibe to the city. It really does. Uh, and Columbus, I think, is uh, more so than any of the towns in the Golden Triangle, is really set to do that type of thing. I think so. And just a little bit about the background in philanthropy, just with the library. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the 
$100,000 was raised for the Mother Goose Foundation. Right. right. The, um, my uh, mother-in-law had been the director of the library for over 50 years. Chibi Bateman, a lot of people around here will remember her. She was um, really one of a kind, and that was her passion. And she took that library from um, a old Victorian house to a cinder block building to the library that you see today in Columbus, which is really one of the better ones in the state of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Um and so um, I got involved with the Friends of the Library, which is basically the nonprofit that helps raise money to run the library because um, it is a, a public um, institution, so they run on taxpayers' dollars. But to be able to do the things they need to do, they need a private, private gifts coming in too. So while I was serving on the board, um, the librarian at the time mentioned that um, some other libraries had you know, started to create endowments, uh, which is money that's invested in you only use the earnings from, uh, for their children's libraries and our children's programs within the library. And Edwina Williams is Mother Goose here in town. And mm-hmm. I mean, she literally is Mother Goose. If you see her, she's, you know, she, and I refer to her as Goose just because um, I've been, I've known her since she was very close to my family. And um, my mother-in-law actually hired her at the library. So anyway, we decided that we would try to create a fund um, that would support not only the children's library there, but also um, some pro- some to, to get in, uh, books and things in there for kids with autism. My my son has autism, and um, and when he was diagnosed in the early '90s, there were not very many resources, you know, and not, and it was even hard to get a diagnosis back then. He was born in ninety. Uh, I talked to some groups about autism and some of the parents were like, oh my God, how did you find anything in 95? Because there really was not mm-hmm. a lot out there. So anyway, we, um, we decided that, you know, it would be good if the, if the friends could, could establish an endowment so that the earnings from that endowment would be there to help in the children's programs. And, and I, th- and I, we talked about naming it for mother goose and there were a lot of other people besides me involved in it, but just because of my background in, uh, philanthropy. I was able to put like a gift chart together of the number of gifts we would need to get to a hundred thousand. A lot of people didn't think we could do it. Uh, I really believe that we could because I knew there were a lot of philanthropic people in this area, and that there were a lot of people who were grateful for all the great work Mother Goose has done at the library over the years. So we set a five-year goal and and reached it. Yeah. Um, and so now the kids at the library are benefiting from it. Um, uh, Mother Goose is very proud of it. Um, and it's just another uh, great thing uh, for the library there. Yeah. And just just one more thing about the philanthropy is, like, you're also involved with Tennessee Williams mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the plays here. Uh, not mm-hmm. only that, but uh, reaching out to very talented actors and, mm-hmm. and giving us a great show. Right. Well, you know, um, you know Tennessee Williams, uh, uh, who a lot of people refer to as America's greatest playwright, was born right here in Columbus. And um, his grandfather was the minister of uh, St. Paul's Episcopal Church. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Victorian home where Tennessee Williams was born is now the Welcome Center here in Columbus. So there were several um, um, folks in town who realized that uh, it would be great if Columbus had a festival in his honor. Um, Because New Orleans had one, um, 
they had one in Clarksdale over in the Delta because when his family moved from here, that was they lived there for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one in St. Louis now. There's one in Provincetown. Um, but we've always, this one's been going for over 20 years now. Uh, we're coming up on our 20th anniversary. And, I, and they had their very first play at the Princess for their first event. And they did Glass Menagerie, which is kind of, uh, is based on uh, his life story. It's mm-hmm. a lot of the characters in the play are his mom and sister and so forth. And so I took my mother-in-law to see it at the Princess. And when I was watching it, um, I really, it dawned on me what uh, an asset it is for Columbus to have as Tennessee Williams' birthplace. I mean, there are a lot of cities who would pay big money to be able to do that because of the tourism that it could mm-hmm. could bring in. So anyway, so I've been involved in that uh, probably for the last 10 years or so. Uh, and we've been able to bring some creative folks in, uh, some fairly well-known actors and Broadway actors who've uh, worked in plays with local actors here. We've had some folks who've um, written plays just for our tribute. Uh, we did a few years ago uh, when I was chairing, we did the, um, the Tennessee Williams and Elvis Connection um, because Tennessee Williams had met and his mother met Elvis on the set of GI Blues. They were both big fans of Elvis. <laughs> and uh, so th- there are a lot of folks, you know, that came down uh, from other areas who were blown away when they see Columbus um, and uh, talk about, you know, how unique our little town is. That's right. Yeah. You know, when the Sunstroke House, when those musicians come, I mean, that's the foundation, you know, that is, uh, that's, that's Jamie's, mission Mm -hmm. is to bring artists Mm -hmm. that have never played in Columbus to Columbus Mm -hmm. and they'll typically stay at her place Mm -hmm. and then the next day they might take they take a walk downtown and it's always interesting hearing they all say the same thing yeah it's beautiful here beautiful here very cool you know we you know we have the um the wealthy symposium the door wealthy symposium at the W every year um she went to school at the W and she's an international uh writer known writer during her time. Um, and so anytime they bring scholars back or we bring scholars back for the Tennessee Williams tribute, they see the W campus and look at downtown Columbus and they were thinking, you know, what a great place to live. Uh, the W is a great liberal arts school, uh, with a lot of talented faculty. We've got the Mississippi school for math and science also on that campus with the faculty who've been uh, rated the number one, uh, high school faculty in the nation for the last four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've just got a lot of really good things like that, that I think if we could find ways to build more synergy between all those groups, that there's, you know, um, we can do some really good things here as far as attracting more artists and um, that type of thing. Well, that's, that's yeah, I'm, I'm with it. Yeah. I, like I, I, that's the thing I dream about, like with the Art Council, working with Munson Brothers, and mm-hmm. uh, to, to just throw that whole street Make, make that whole street for artists, mm-hmm. musicians, and let's have a party. Yeah, absolutely. You know, having the, you mentioned the Arts Council, and that is, and having that situated where it is, right in the middle of downtown, is is great. And I don't, you know, and now there's some, there's a little um, artist um, underground right across the street. I don't know if you've seen that yet. It's under where Ruth's department store used to be. But what I dream of is seeing, I don't know if you've ever been to Athens, Georgia or not, but they have a really cool art scene there. <laughs> um, and, you know, there are artists on the street most every night while you're there. And, wow. the, and you know, they the, this was years ago, the last time I was there, and they already had the lights, you know, hanging from the trees. And it was just, and, it was, and great restaurants, you know. Um, 
and nice bars for all ages. You know, they had some for the college crowd, obviously, because the University of Georgia is there. But mm-hmm. they had some places for, you know, folks my age. And um, it just had a, it had a, just a great hometown feel about it, but also a, a you know, a cool, larger city vibe to it. And that's, right. that's kind of my dream for Columbus. I've told people I'd like for us to be known as the creative capital of Columbus one day. I mean, of Mississippi one day. Yeah, and like uh, I heard you reference it, uh, St. Petersburg in Florida, mm-hmm. just about how that city, and I think this goes into like honesty and transparency. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a few things on your website, uh, mm-hmm. com if you're wondering. But uh, <laughs> uh, like what St. Petersburg did was just, they wanted to make the whole city. Yeah, seamless is what. Seamless. Yeah, the um, the mayor there. I guess he was back in the early '90s, and I was not aware of this until somebody uh, referenced his book to me, and it's called Seamless City. And um, what he did was that he, um, when he ran for mayor, he campaigned hard in all the different parts of the city, um, not just the the main area where most of the tourists would go and places like that, but in the parts of the city that had kind of been forgotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have some wards in, in Columbus where a lot of folks that live in those wards feel like they've kind of been forgotten too. And what he really did was tried to, and I think he did successfully from what I'm reading, um, you know, create what they were calling a, it's not perfect, but it's more seamless that, you know, that you're not driving in one part of town and this is like, oh, this is great. How nice is this? And then you cross over in another neighborhood and you're like, what happened? You know, it's like mm-hmm. a fruit basket turnover kind of thing. And that's not uncommon in cities. But what happens is, is when some areas of the city are not thriving as much as the other, they get, they tend to get further and further behind. And that's what's happening here in Columbus too. And so I'm very interested in not just the downtown area, but the entire city. Mm-hmm. How can we make you know Columbus a desirable place um, for and you know the the top destination for people who want to live in Mississippi? We want them you know here in Columbus. That's right. And just with education, you've mentioned MSMS. You've been involved with that for some time. Just mm-hmm. just even the education here could be better. Right. Absolutely. You know the public school system here in Columbus um, has not been um, where it needs to be. And there are a lot of reasons for that, but we have a really dynamic superintendent now, and we have some really good people serving on the school board. And so, you know, I'm passionate. Most of my career has been in higher education. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned that uh, I've been serving as the executive director for the Mississippi School for Math and Science Foundation, which is a separate 501c3 from the school. Um, but I feel like that there's, you know, with Uh, Mississippi University for Women here, which was the first public institution for women in the country. Uh, Franklin Academy, which is uh, one of the public schools here, was the first public school in Mississippi. So we've got a history of of first in education here. We've got a great community college in EMCC, East Mississippi Community College. I just feel like all those, having all those together, um, a lot of cities would love to, and communities would love to have that type of uh, Mm -hmm. higher education um, around them, you know, that, and, and then, uh, you know, Mississippi, Mississippi School for Math and Science, a lot of people will tell you has, uh, is probably one of the most, the best economic development uh, investments that the state of Mississippi has ever done. I mean, the, I've had the good fortune of getting to know a lot of the alums from MSMS who are doing great things all over the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have graduates from there that are in cutting edge research on, in cancer, um, we, some folks that are doing some really good things um, 
as um, as philanthropists too, but also uh, in um, engineering um, and uh, entrepreneurships, um, and they're all over the country. And because the school is so good, we have alums in California who are calling and saying, is there any way I can get my kids in MSMS? Yeah. Uh, because there's not even a school nearly as good in California as the experience I had at MSMS. So that school does a lot of outreach, and I think that there's a lot, and, and we're doing some of that now already, but I think there's just so much more uh, that we can do to build good synergy uh, you know, for um, you know, education throughout life. Like I said, I'm a bl- firm believer in lifelong learning, um, so I think there's the things that we can do from pre-K you know, to the rest of someone's life and also helping those, uh, like I told you, my son has special, has autism and I would like to see us do more <coughs> for, um, kids on the spectrum and young adults that, yeah. you know, um, have autism. I think there's a way that we can do, uh, some things that would be beneficial for a lot of our citizens. Yeah. Uh, what about, uh, just infrastructure for the city? Well, um, there's, there's some concerns there too. Um, Columbus has had some had some budget issues over the years, and so there, that brings a lot of deferred maintenance uh, and infrastructure. Um, I think a lot of the potholes that people talk about. I mean, there's a there's a whole Facebook page on Columbus potholes now, <laughs> and they're actually quite funny, except for the fact that when you hit them in your car, it's, it's not funny yeah, at all. It's true, <laughs> it, and it's they're dangerous. Yeah. They're really dangerous, and so because of some of the infrastructure issues under the roads that haven't been dealt with for, from sewage and other things, um, it's causing those potholes to, to come back a lot faster than, than you would hope. So I've been talking to a lot of um, engineers and others and trying to come up with some creative ideas and ways that we can uh, eliminate a lot of the potholes. They're filling some of them now, but the problem is with flooding and stuff in Columbus, the streets flood really bad here at times in certain parts of the town. Um, and there's never been that I can find a good rhyme or reason to where they choose to, you know, to fix these. Um, and I think, I think there's discussions between the different members of the city council trying to get it in their awards, which is, you know, understandable, but I really think we need to have a strategic plan on how we address the issues today, but also simultaneously be looking at a long-term plan mm-hmm. to, to, um, make sure that these things aren't reoccurring and what do we need to do from an infrastructure standpoint, uh, to, to prohibit that. Uh, there are lots of things in outside of the potholes and the streets that we need to do in infrastructure, but that's probably one of the areas that we need to focus on right away. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's already been worked on now with that one, maybe the one out by the hospital. Has it been fixed yet? They're working know? on those now. <laughs> um, my mother, when uh, she had went to the hospital well recently too, but about a year ago she went because she fell, she's 89 and she uh, broke her shoulder bone or, um, yeah, collarbone. And she told me when I told her I was thinking about running for mayor, she made the comment. She said, well, if you can fix those potholes in front of the hospital, you'll probably win. She said, I almost flew off the gurney when we hit those things in the ambulance. So, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that that's an area that should have, because of that area of town and the high volume of traffic and people going to the hospital or the, and most of the doctor's offices are there mm-hmm. is one that, you know, you would think would have been a top priority, but it's been that way for quite some time. But they're, right. they're working on it right now, though, actually. So that's a good yeah. thing. Well, it's that time of the year. Yeah, right? it's time of the year. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh, plans for public safety? Well, the you know that's that's another top issue there, and that and it, and 
if we had a longer time to have a discussion, that all stems back, in my opinion, to education, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but there has been an uptick in crime recently in Columbus that people have been very concerned about. Um, a lot of gun violence and gang violence and drugs in the city. Um, and um, our police department seems to be a little overwhelmed at the moment. They're, um, we're budgeted to have over 60 police officers, and I think we have about 53 now. Uh, we've had high turnover, um, and so um, you know that's a that's a concern. Um, I don't know that our numbers, um, if you compare us to other cities our size in the state, um, you know I know the people that we have on the force uh, are trying to work hard. That's not an easy job, obviously. Um, it's not a high paying job, and it's a dangerous job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, what I want to do as mayor is. Uh, find out what we can do from a budgeting standpoint to make sure they have the number of police officers that we have. Uh, if there's a morale issue on the staff, what's causing that? How can we fix it? Um, and so, you know, I, you know, I want to. I'm the type of person that's not would not be a micromanager, but as the leader of the city, I want to make sure that the police department has all the resources they need to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I'm learning and I'm, and I'm trying to educate myself on it because it's easy to be on the outside looking in and think you have all the answers. That's right. Uh, and so I'm, that's not my style. Uh, my style is to try to educate myself, uh, as much as I can and, um, you know, work with others as a, t- I'm a very much a team player, not a, uh, I believe in servant leadership, uh, working from the bottom up, not the top down, uh, and finding out because people that are in those roles are, 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 community servants too um and you know yeah, they put their life on the line they put their day. life on the line and you know it's you know it's 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 hard work um and i would like to see our police officers more involved with the citizens of the community almost have them working like you know beats where they get to know the citizens in in the areas where they're working so that um you know that that would help with solving crimes I also think we probably need to add, try to add more cameras in certain areas that are high um, areas of crime right now to mm-hmm. try to help the police officers when they can't be there. If we can get video of, there are a lot of things that you can do now from a technology standpoint to help the police officers do the best jobs that they That's can. Right. But I totally want to be uh, the kind of mayor that is um, proactive in helping them, but also letting them do their job. Yeah. All right, uh, small business in the area. I mean, we've got some great business here. We do. You know, um, you know, small businesses uh, are the life of this country, and they're and they're usually the lifeblood of the community. Um, some of the ones locally have been hit really hard this year uh, because of uh, COVID nineteen and all that went along with that. Unfortunately, some have had to close here in Columbus. Right. Um, some really good ones that uh, I hated to see go that were quite unique. Um, and so I really want to try to do everything, uh, if elected, uh, to encourage small businesses to, to come to Columbus. Um, there's, um, I mean, there's some just beautiful historic buildings downtown that are just waiting for the right business to come in. Uh, and so whatever we can do from the city standpoint to help that happen, mm-hmm. uh, if we can help them also find grant money and things to help their businesses get started. There are a lot of things out there that can help small businesses get started. And I think that, you know, the city needs to be, City Hall needs to be very welcoming to that and doing everything they can to attract businesses. But also when they get here, 
work with them to help them be as successful as they can be. However, the city can promote those businesses and get more people downtown or wherever they're located in the city, not just downtown, Mm -hmm. but to get people there and shopping and help them be successful. I think we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but just economic strategy. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, there are a lot of folks that will tell you that uh, they feel like that uh, the taxes have gone up in the city and they don't see a lot uh, that's improved with, you know, tax increase. So one of the things I want to do is is to get a close look at our budget. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm elected, uh, there have been some concerns from the citizens uh, about the budget. You know, we had, um, unfortunately, uh, a former uh, chief financial officer for the city embezzled over a quarter of a million dollars. For a city that si- our size, that's a that's a big hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what I've learned from that, and I'm you know I'm not I'm, I don't want to be judgmental of the of the folks that are in office now by any stretch. But from what I've heard from or learned from listening to the city council meetings, um, I'm not sure we've always had the best practices in place to keep stuff like that from happening. Um, and so I think they're starting to implement some things. But I really want to take a close look at that, and probably and not probably but would call for. A citywide audit of, of all the finances of the city uh, and make sure that it's transparent and that the community is aware of what we're finding and what we can do to to improve that um, and then um, you know work um, and use those resources uh, for the best for the city in the areas that are most uh, important and then also work really closely with um, uh, the folks that work in economic development here uh, that have been really successful in, in attracting some really great industry here. Uh, but I think the city, um, to be able to do that, uh, folks that could pot- potentially be moving here uh, would be interested in quality of life. And so all those things, again, like education, safety, all those things factor in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, nightlife, quality, you know, I've had a lot of people say, you know, can you get a Target here? Can we get more restaurants here? Uh, so people are eager um, you know, to have more in the Columbus Golden Triangle area so they don't have to travel out uh, mm-hmm. to do shopping and, and that type of thing. So, yeah, we need, we need a, a solid plan uh, on how the city hall can work strategically in all those areas um, to make sure we have, a, you know, a, a booming economy. Yeah. So uh, I got three more questions. Okay. Uh, Man, tell me about the love for Elvis. <laughs> ah, the love for Elvis. Uh, well, what was it? John Lennon that said uh, there was nothing before Elvis. Um, <laughs> and uh, I kind of agree with that to, to a certain extent. I grew up a fan of Elvis as a young child. And my poor children, are, I have a son and a daughter who are both grown now, but they are um, Elvis fans too because unfortunately for them, I made them have several Elvis birthday parties over the years to entertain myself too, as they were getting older, you know, Elvis is, um, I I think he's, you know, Mississippi has produced a lot of talent, uh, Mm -hmm. in, in the music, BB King, um, and, uh, a lot of artists in in country music, uh, country blues, blues, blues. oh, it's all fantastic. And I love all of it. Uh, I'm so proud that it's from here and, uh, it's had, you know, uh, those artists have had an impact on the world. But Elvis, in particular, <laughs> I've always just enjoyed his story, you know, coming from a very poor family in Tupelo and the success he he, he had. And, and, you know, Elvis was really a lot brighter 
than people realize. I've read a lot about him, and he um, he was an interesting guy that was, um, you know, always trying to learn more. Um, and um, but also, I also just love the whole um, the funny side of Elvis too. You know, people you know laugh about the Velvet Elvis and all those, and I totally get it. You know. Um, and I just, um, have always been, I've got a couple of cardboard Elvises that I take to parties with us on occasion. People open the door and we're standing there with, with Elvis. And we take them with, we got a cardboard cut out too. So when Munson Brothers goes on the road, <laughs> the Elvis is there. And people yeah, like, I mean, they want to take a picture with the king. I know. Who knows if I get elected, maybe Elvis will have a spot in city hall. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, I just, uh, have always enjoyed, I loved his music and I even like some of his movies too. Uh, I just think he's a, um. I just think Mississippi should be very proud of having him here. And, and I have friends in Memphis that have grown up not far from Graceland and have never even toured Graceland, which I cannot believe. I grew up going to uh, Memphis because uh, I had an uncle who was uh, an executive with Sears, and his family was in Memphis. So we would go up quite often. And I've got pictures, black and white pictures of me standing in front of the gate at Graceland. You know, this would have been when Elvis was still alive. Um, and then when I've worked some in Memphis, I've just seen the – thousands and thousands of people from around the world that come back every year Mm -hmm. on the anniversary of his death and um so anyway yeah he's just been kind um i've got so many people have given me so many elvis mugs and um yeah so i'm yeah i'm an elvis fan (laughs) (laughs) all right and just uh previous work uh and i think it kind of goes back to education just for a second but uh, morgan freeman uh does a lot as far as investing into his uh a community, and he believes in education. Absolutely. Kind of the same way that you do. Yeah, I met, uh, and I say Morgan like we're friends, um, <laughs> I met Mr. Freeman uh, several years ago when I worked at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, was um, a supporter of the vet school. He had, a, at the time, a big interest in horses, and he had built a home in, in Charleston, his hometown in Mississippi, uh, on the property where his parents were sharecroppers. And, you know, his fame kind of came along late in life. I used to joke with him that I remembered him um, when he was on the electric company. You probably won't remember that, but that was Mm -hmm. a kid's show. And that was one of his first uh, big shows that he was on that, you know, he kind of got some fame from. But um, he was passionate about the state of Mississippi. And as I got to know him working with him at Mississippi State, I asked him one day, I said, Morgan, I've noticed that most of your philanthropy has been in higher education. He had made some gifts to Ole Miss and um, some other places, primarily Ole Miss and State at the time, and then also the high schools there around Charleston. And he said, yes, he said, I'll tell you, um, he said, there are, are so many issues and problems in the world that, that deserve and nonprofits that deserve to have funding. He said, but as I think about it, he said, you know, most of the answers to all the problems that we face are found in higher education. And so at the time, that's where he had focused most of his giving. And, you know, that was when he said that, I said, you know, that's why I have enjoyed working in higher education so much and the philanthropy side. Um, and he does a lot of other things now too. And I think he's even giving and helping in, in early childhood, his daughter Morgana has gotten him involved in that more. Um, but yeah, he's a really cool guy. I shot pool with him at uh, ground zero hey, at the bar he opened there. How cool is that? I mean, <laughs> I, you know, it was weird. Um, and, uh, I was at his house in, um, Charleston, uh, the Dean of the vet school at the time and I were there visiting with him about a gift. Yeah. And, uh, he was getting phone calls literally from Clint Eastwood, 
um, uh, who else called while we were there? It was like um, Colin Powell. Yeah, <laughs> every, every time he would get up to go take the call, I would look at the dean. I was like, damn, can you believe we're sitting here in Morgan Freeman's house while he's taking all these calls from famous people? But he was so he's so down to earth. It's like you and I chatting here, man. He yeah. is. He is just a great guy. I have a friend. He's a student at the state now. Uh, he interns at the company I work for, mm-hmm. and uh, he's from Charleston. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't even know how we got on the subject one day, but he was just sharing the story of. He's like, you know, sometimes I play golf with Morgan Freeman, <laughs> no, and I was like, hold, hold up, hold up, I know. Hold, hold up. He he literally can walk around Charleston, Mississippi, and nobody bothers him. I mean, it's just like yeah. it's hometown for him, and that's what he loved about coming back. I have not talked to him in several years, but um, he was just, and he doesn't like speaking in front of big crowds or anything. Mm-hmm. He did it once for the vet school uh, because he was very close to Dr. Mercer at the time, who was the dean. If you're listening out there, Doc. Uh, but he and Morgan were very close. And one of the reasons that I think Morgan gave to the vet school, because the dean had, worked, had really uh, listened to what his desires were as far as philanthropic-wise. And we worked really hard. To, and he, one of the things he was doing was helping. He was, he was giving money to help in the equine area, equine research, and but also in uh, helping to uh, fund scholarships for mm-hmm. minority students uh, because there were not a lot of minority students going into vet medicine at the time. Um, so anyway, he's yeah, he's just a, he's he's another one that Mississippi should be very proud of having him yeah, as, a, yeah. as a native son. All right, final question is uh, just plugs. Uh, I've, I've said the website, but uh, social media, uh, contacting. Right. How, how can people contact you if they want? If yeah, they want, thanks if they for that. More. Yeah, we've got, um, we've, uh, we've got a page on, um, on, the, on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, Keith Gaskin for Mayor. Find us and like us. That would be great. Uh, we've got a website, keithgaskinformayor.com. We're on Instagram, too. Um, and on all those sites, you can find our um, uh, contact information, phone numbers, uh, email addresses. You can email me at Keith at Keith Gaskin uh, for Mayor dot uh, com. I'd love to hear from you. That's one of the things I'm truly trying hard to do is listen, be a good listener. Uh, I've learned that from working in philanthropy for so long because you really have to be a good listener when you're working with donors and uh, the folks that you work with in the university level. Uh, I've told people, somebody said, well, you know, you really haven't been in politics before. And I said, well, let me tell you, higher education is almost as political as D.C. Uh, There are very few personalities that I've not learned or or dealt with, learned from or dealt with in my career. Uh, And one of the things is that, you know, I've learned is that, you know, you really need to try to put yourself in other people's shoes uh, when you're talking to them. Um, there's some, uh, you know, there's always going to be people that are going to be difficult to deal with. That's right. But if they, I think if they, tr- if, if you earn their trust, uh, and they know you're listening and that you admit that you don't have all the answers and that you're, you know, not afraid of, uh, hiring people around you who are smarter than you are and that you're not interested in groupthink, which I'm not, I want to hear from all sides. Uh, I think that's one of the things in politics that that causes people to get turned off by it is that people are are so uh, embedded in their their ideology and their thinking that they won't even open up their mind or even open up to even have a discussion about doing something differently. And, you know, the definition of insanity is trying to do the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. That's right. Well, cool. Well, Keith, thank you so much. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And we're out of here. News and notes. Thank you so much for listening to Porch Talk. If you haven't done so already, please rate and review the show 
or whatever podcast app it is that you listen to on. Once again, thank you. All right, hey, I commissioned JPKS, Justin Pitcher, King of Schuster. Play my favorite song, No One's Gonna Love You, by Band of Horses. Here's what happened. We're out here. Peace out. One, two, three.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.